the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. My eyes are dry. My faith is old. My heart is hard. My prayers are cold. And I know how I ought to be alive to you and dead to me. What can be done for an old heart like mine? Soften it up with oil and wine. The oil is you, your spirit of love. Please wash me anew in the wine. My faith is old, my heart is hard, my prayers are cold, and I know how I ought to be alive to you and dead to me. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. For forty years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are people whose hearts always go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, the pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Great concern on my heart. As one brother said to me, our hearts have been so suffocated by the world. Our hearts have been so weighed down by the world that we don't see the desperate need or hunger for Jesus. Is that the case in your soul? Are you aware of a great hunger rising up in your heart that says, 
I must have Jesus in all of his fullness. There are three things I want to say to you. If you intend to enter into heaven, if you intend to break through, and this broadcast is for those men and women who truly have some sense of need in their heart, who desire to break through, not just to have what they want, not to use Jesus to somehow accomplish a financial or physical need, but men and women who are who are serious, who say, I need Jesus. Now, what does it take for that hunger to be real and for that person to say, I must have Jesus. I'd like to give you three steps. First, there has to be in your heart a deep conviction of depravity. This is absolutely necessary. You must understand and know in the depths of your heart the depravity, the sin, the wickedness of your life. It has to be conscious. It has to be real. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm very aware today that the Lord Jesus Christ had to come and reach down to the bottom of the barrel and grab a hold of my life and choose to pull me up out of that mess. But if I get comfortable now, if I lay back and say, okay, I'm saved, walk in peace, everything's fine, and there's no stirring in my heart and no awareness that I have no righteousness outside of Jesus. I have righteousness. I have holiness in my life. But it all came from Jesus. It's real. It's affected the choices that I've made. It affects every part of my life. It affects the actions of my life. It causes me to forgive those who have wronged me. It causes me to release those from that prison of bitterness and anger. But if I don't have an awareness that that, that, that righteousness that's come pouring into my life is a miracle, a miraculous intervention of Jesus, it is the incredible power of Jesus coming in and changing my life, and that I don't in my power, have anything. It is all Jesus. And for that reason, it's, it's well, it's necessary that I have a constant awareness of the depth of the depravity of my heart, that I have nothing without Jesus. And two, There must be intentionality. I spoke about this yesterday. There is this space that opens between me and God. And into that space is brought everything of my heart, all of my life, all of my desires. Everything about me is brought into that space between me and God. And he he brings himself into that space. This is the basis of a personal relationship with Jesus. There must be in my heart an entire devotion 
to open myself fully to the Lord God of heaven. There must be a devotion in my heart to be completely given over to Jesus Christ. The whole man must be given to the service of Jesus. There must be hearty obedience to his whole will. No disobedience, no turning aside, no resting in myself, no feeding on the things of this world, but totally given over to Jesus Christ. And then there must be that constant, simple, and direct faith, expecting at every moment the fullness of Jesus Christ. If I don't come expecting that fullness of Jesus Christ constantly in my heart, I will not have it. What I'm trying to say to you is that the world is suffocating in your heart with television and with all kinds of entertainment and with activities and responsibilities, and the list goes on and on and on. In the midst of all of that, there must be an absolute recognition on your part of the depravity of your soul, how how wicked you have been as you have walked with Jesus, how uncovered you are with a heartfelt grace given by Jesus to be given in utter devotion to him. And then there must be that hearty obedience that says, yes, Jesus. See, yesterday I spoke about the love between a man and a woman. And when that spark happens between a man and a woman and they're drawn one to another, then there has to be the opening of that space between them. There has to be an inviting in of the other. There has to be then to build a friendship. There has to be integrity. There has to be consistency. There has to be faithfulness. And we in the in the mighty power of Jesus can turn aside from our sin and not walk in it anymore. If we continue to walk in the sin, even though we have said, Jesus, I want to belong with you, I want to be yours, we break that that precious friendship. We begin to violate that space between us and God. Until finally there's nothing left and the spark dies and we're given over to darkness. Our story today resumes in Exodus, the 17th chapter. The children of Israel have said yes to the Lord. They have been moved by his compassion for them. They have seen the power of God demonstrated on their behalf. Time after time after time. But finally, they've come in the desert. After eating the manna, they've come into the desert where there is now no water available for them. They camped at Rephidim. The people begin to thirst. They have run out of water. They know in that desert they have only a matter of hours before the sheep 
the cattle, the livestock begin to suffer. And as families run out of water to drink and to wash and to take care of their bodies, they're in a very serious crisis because they know they cannot escape. There's no place to go. God has them in a desert place where there is nothing to rescue them. They have no ability to create water for themselves. So they begin to quarrel with Moses. They quarrel and they say, give us water to drink. And Moses answers them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? They were saying, is, the, is God with us or not? All they have to do is look and there's the cloud covering, shading their, their camp. All they have to do at night is look and there's the pillar of fire. The presence of God is visible. And they're saying, is God with us or not? And Moses says, why do you put God to the test? Well, because they were thirsty and they were angry. So many times when I, when I talk with people, they have not received what they thought they were due. They thought they were entitled. And when they don't get what they think they're entitled to, they get angry. And they grumble. And they complain. Some people at work, they don't get the money they think they deserve. So they'll begin to steal things from the company because they owe them. So they justify stealing because they have a sense of entitlement. Instead of being grateful for the job they have, they find ways now to get revenge on the company because they're not being taken care of in the manner to which they wish to be accustomed. One precious couple left the National Prayer Chapel some years ago because the wife was angry. She thought that by this time, she had served the Lord. And she thought that the Lord should be giving them jobs and money to take care of them in the way she felt she was entitled to be taken care of. And they grew angry and left. That's almost always the case. When people feel entitled, they're going to get angry. Sad to say, that does not please Jesus. And it breaks that relationship with him. It makes him angry. And he begins to bring judgment. So they're crying out. They're saying our livestock is going to die of thirst. Our children, is they're going to die of thirst. Why'd you bring us up out of Egypt? To make us and our children suffer. Moses begins to cry out to the Lord. What am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me to death. And the Lord answers Moses. 
He says, walk on ahead of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go, and I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa, means testing, and Meribah means quarreling because the Israelites quarreled and, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? And then the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and Go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I'll stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. Joshua fought the Amalekites, as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But when he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. And Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. The Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the memory of Amlak from under heaven. And Moses built an altar, and he called it, The Lord is my banner. He said, For hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Now, I want to go back, and I want to just look at what is being said here, and you already know from looking carefully at 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, that all of this had very symbolic meaning. I'm going to turn there just to read it to you again today. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. For I want you, I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered over the desert. Now, if you come back to this story, Moses did not strike a pebble. He struck a huge, towering rock. How much water would it take for the livestock and a crowd of perhaps two to three million people? It's going to take a lot of water. And this gushing water burst forth in the desert and became a living stream. Now, 
They quarreled with the Lord before he did this. And the Amalekites came and attacked. Now the Amalekites represent here the powers of darkness. They represent the power of the enemy, Satan. And the day will come when Satan will be utterly cast into the sea of fire. He will be gone from this earth. He will dwell no longer amongst us. Now, I want you to notice the directions. Go out and fight against the Amalekites. But notice who it is that is sent to fight the Amalekites. It is a charge led by Joshua. The name Jesus in the New Testament is simply Joshua in the Old Testament. Joshua and Jesus are the same name. So it's Jesus who goes out to fight the Amalekites as Moses has ordered. And he has helpers with him to help in that fight. And the direction is, for Moses and Aaron and Hur to go to the top of the hill with the staff of God in his hands. This is a vital and important understanding. Moses held up his hands, and in his hand was the staff of God the authority of God, the promises of God. Remember, there was a promise that when he cast his staff down, it would become a snake. When he picked it up, it would return to being a staff. There was a promise that that staff held the power to open the Red Sea. It was God's power, but it was in the hand of Moses. I want you to see your battle today. It may be with sickness. It may may be in a relationship. It may be with money. It may be with a specific area of sin like alcohol or tobacco or lying or cheating or stealing or homosexuality or lust, fornication, pornography. It can be any, any sin against the Almighty God. The direction is to stand up with the staff of God, and hold your hands above your head. Lift up your hands to God. And as you lift up your hands to God, he changes the physical reality of what's happening in your life. Jesus is fighting for you. He is leading the army to go out against the Amalekites. And as you go out against them, and you stand with that staff in your hand until you become utterly exhausted and you drop your arms, and as you drop your arms, you see immediately that the Amalekites begin to win the battle. You need to understand that that the battle that we're engaged in is not a casual battle. The battle we are engaged in is a battle 
that is being fought by Jesus Christ on our behalf against sin and against the enemy, against deprivation, against poverty. It is a battle we are fighting on every front, but it is being fought for us by Jesus Christ. It is a battle for righteousness and innocence. And as God stands up, Jesus stands up and fights the battle for us, we are to have our hands lifted up in total surrender. And in our hands are to be the promise of God, that which grants us authority in the battle. The only way God will answer your prayer, the only way God will send Jesus to fight the battle for you, is if you lift your hands in surrender and you have in your hands the staff of God because it's the staff of God that gives you the authority and gives you the power to overcome the enemy as Jesus fights this battle for you. If you drop your hands, the enemy begins to win. Now. Very clearly, the message here is that this is not a short battle. This is a long battle. This is a fight to the finish. Are you in a battle? Are your arms lifted up? Are you completely surrendered to Jesus? This morning, I received a phone call on my way in. I took the phone call, and it was from a dear brother who was just encouraging me and praying for me and asking the Lord to sustain me, to sustain me as I lift my hands up over you, the radio listening audience, because there is a battle on for your soul. And he was praying, Lord, open the way. Don't let the Amalekites stand in the way of your people getting a hold of this message and understanding that there's a battle for their soul going on and that many are asleep, many are casual and laid back, dead in their sin. Are you dead in your sin today? Have you given up? Have you stopped surrendering to Jesus Christ? Have you grown depressed and hostile in your heart, grumbling and complaining and saying, it's all helpless and hopeless and and it doesn't matter what I give, I'm not ever recognized? I'm facing a situation right now in my own life where I just want to give up and walk away from it and say, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But it does matter. And I cannot just give up and walk away. So this morning in my prayer closet, I was on my face before the Lord saying, Lord, I will honor your name. I believe what you have done. I will not turn aside. I love you.
and I trust you. Thank you for going out, Jesus, to fight this battle for me. It is a battle that I cannot fight. It is a battle that I cannot win. And so now I just lift my hands before the Lord. And I praise God that brothers and sisters come close to me and help lift my arms. They encourage my heart and they say, don't give up, Pastor. Don't give up. The breakthrough is coming. That's happening in my personal life. In my life with you in Christ, I have my hands lifted up with the staff of God in it, saying, I am standing by faith with my arms lifted up with the authority God has granted me that you will awaken in the name of Jesus and a great hunger will grow in your heart that you will say, I must have something new with Jesus. I'm not content with this casualness. I'm not content with the entertainment. I must have something real with Jesus that will sustain me and bring me through in righteousness. I'm standing by faith for for that, for you. I'm saying, Lord, come. Come and minister to your people. See the deadness of their hearts. See the coldness of their hearts. See how entwined they are with the things of darkness and the things of the devil. See how entwined they are with the culture of America that is turned so bitterly and vile, vilely wicked. See what, see what is being done to your people as they're being consumed by the darkness and they're unconscious like frogs in a kettle and the heat's under them and they're going to be boiled if they don't leap out of that deal. So I'm crying out for you. Day and night, I'm lifting my hands for you, and I'm saying, Jesus, I will not stop. I will not give up. My desire is to see the people of God redeemed. Not this shallow, shallow, one-inch deep, thick deadness. Every man seems to go his own way, casual and unconcerned, believing that he's saved in all of his casualness. In all of his wickedness, in all of his uncleanness, he believes he's saved, and so he has no hunger to get right with Jesus, no conviction of sin, no understanding of the desperate condition of his soul. Awake! Come to your senses. Don't be casual about this thing. It's real. Jesus is real. The Amalekites are upon you. We have a president whom I believe is a Muslim who has utterly turned his back on the Christian church, who has utterly turned his back on Christian persecution. We have a whole administration that cares nothing for Jewish people or Christian people. All of his favor goes to the radical Muslims. He arms them. He equips them. He supports them. To me, he is a traitor. He has sold his soul to the devil. We've got to say it. We've got to recognize it. We've got to understand that government is not our source. Government is not our place of refuge. Jesus Christ is our place of refuge. Now, surely. There were many wicked men under the emperor. 
And the Lord tells us to pray for our leaders. And I pray for President Obama. I pray for the conversion, the work of the Holy Spirit to break through all of the lies and the dishonesty, the dissembling. I pray for Jesus to come and confront him with his blood, with his love, with his heart. That our dear president could be converted and transformed and changed into the likeness of Jesus. I pray for his administration. But I must call sin, sin. I can't play political games. I'm not a politician. I'm a preacher. And it's time to recognize that all of the welfare programs and all of the many things that are being handed out are being stolen from other people. It's called redistribution of wealth. It is ungodly. We've got to recognize that the government is not our savior. And many of you today are drifting down, 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 down. Casualness of heart. More and more allowing the enemy to encroach into your soul so you're filled with the television. You're filled with all of the darkness of this world. You're dead. Your mind is stifled. Your mind is in a a drugged state. It's time to wake up as a Christian. Not to jump into violence or revolution against the government. Never. But to side with Jesus Christ and recognize that we follow Jesus, not anyone else. Can I be straight with you? Don't follow your preacher. Don't follow your government. Follow Jesus Christ. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is our El Shaddai. He is our provider. Moses is exhausted from the battle, so he finally sits on a rock, and Aaron stands on one side, and Hur stands on the other side, and they lift Moses' arms up. If you need someone to come and lift your arms up, find some people who will lift your arms up. But don't turn and drop your arms and allow the Amalekites to win over your heart. And many of you today are being won over by the Amalekites. They are defeating you on the left and the right. They're causing depression and discouragement. They're causing you to walk more deeply into the wickedness of the world. Turn, turn, my brother, my sister, turn. Let Jesus fight this battle for you and lift your hands. Lift your hands to Jesus. Don't be caught in this in this wickedness of the world. Don't walk in it. Deny it. Cast it out. Don't go there. Understand that there's a battle on for your soul, and many of you have already lost that battle. You're just about cooked. You're just about done. Oh, I pray. Oh, God. Have mercy on your people. Have mercy on your people. Our phone number here in studio is 877-534-0780. You'd like to call? I'll pray with you. 877-534-0780.
Are your hands lifted up? Is the staff of God in your hands? Are the promises of God in your hands? Are you participating in the divine nature by the promises of God? Or are you dead, lukewarm, cold of heart, angry, complaining? What is your condition in Jesus today? 877-534-0780. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. It says, Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered over the desert. In other words, they were not victorious in the battle. They were God's chosen. God called them out of Egypt. He brought them into the desert. They would not hold on to the promises of God. They would not believe in him. They would not trust in him. They were determined to have their way. And so they died in the desert. I fear that many of you listening to this radio broadcast today will die in the desert. That you will so grumble and so complain and so be stifled in your heart and mind by the wickedness of the desert that you won't make it out. Are you willing to make it out of the desert? If so, you're going to have to trust in Jesus as he fights the battle for you. Some of you have battled for yourself against the Amalekites and you've tried to turn aside the enemy under your own strength and your own power. One man I spoke with who is consumed with with uncleanness. He said, I just have to fight against this until I win. I said, no, my brother, you don't have to fight against it until you win. You have to hang on to the promises of God and lift your hands and surrender. And Jesus will fight the battle against your sin. And he will throw it out of your heart. He will cut it off. He will rescue you by his mighty power. Are you in that place today? Do you need Jesus to come in his mighty power and rescue you from your sin? Some people go to Sermon Index or somewhere else and they listen to sermon after sermon. The problem is they're listening to gospels that are no gospels. They think by listening to preaching that they can leave their sin. But preaching will not cause you to leave your sin. It's the Holy Spirit who must come and convict your heart. And you must be listening to the true gospel of Jesus in full righteousness, not self-help, not once saved, always saved. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts our heart. It's the Holy Spirit who, who shows us the path. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the courage to lift our hands up before the throne of God. It's the Holy Spirit that comes 
uses the mighty power of the blood of Jesus to break the bondages and to wash us and make us clean. This is not a self-help deal. And if you don't understand this, if you're fighting for yourself, you're going to die in this wilderness you're in. Now, you may set up a very comfortable house for yourself in the wilderness. You may even have some air conditioning for yourself. You may have a nice lifestyle for yourself. But it's still the desert. And most of these children of Israel had their bodies spread over the entire desert. They died in the desert. They never made it out of the desert. If you want to make it out of the desert, you are going to have to follow Jesus Christ. And there's going to have to be a great awakening in your heart. Or you will never make it out of the desert. Now, if you said to these people in the desert, are you children of Israel? Oh, yes, we're children of Israel. Today, are you a Christian? Oh, yes, I'm a Christian. I go to the Baptist church, or I go to the Lutheran church, or I go over here. I go to the National Prayer Chapel. That's not what it's about. That's not what will save you. Your body will die in the desert if you don't follow and act on what I'm trying to tell you today. You're going to have to search the scriptures for yourself. You will not hold on to your pastor's coattail and make it into heaven. You're going to have to do it yourself. You're going to have to read the scriptures. I urge you, read and pray over carefully the 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians. That's 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Read it, pray over it, weep over it. If you want to make it out of the desert alive. Because most of you, if there is not quickly a radical change in your life, will die in your sin and go to hell. You will not be saved. You will never make it out of the desert. I don't want that for you. I want you to be filled with the glory of Jesus. I want you to be filled with the presence of Jesus. I don't want you to trust in anyone or anything but the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that this is not one battle and then it's all over and we sit back and we relax and we have our Kool-Aid. This is an extended battle. Satan will take your children and steal them from you. He will take your money and steal it from you. He will take your health and he will steal it from you. You must recognize this is a battle. It is a war zone. And if Jesus does not fight the battle, you will be destroyed. Your body will die in the wilderness. And you will not be saved. And our job is simply to lift our hands in submission to Jesus Christ and allow him full authority over our lives, holding in our hand the promises of God fixing our eyes on Jesus while he fights the battle for us. How do we move beyond this? 
I know we're right there at the edge. What are you going to do? Are you going to build that relationship with Jesus Christ by opening your heart fully, allowing him to create that sacred space with you? Are you going to be intentional in following after him with all of your heart? Are you going to give yourself totally into his presence? Are you going to give up the bad habits of grumbling and complaining and turning to other entertainment? Will you give yourself to Jesus Christ? Or will you not? I have serious issues I'm struggling with in my own life. Financial issues. Relationship issues. Health issues. Grandchildren issues. Family issues. All of them designed to discourage my heart. I stand in every case with the staff of God in my hand, claiming the promises of God and asking Jesus to please go fight the battle for me because I cannot fight it. The battle is only fought and won by Jesus Christ. It is not fought and won in my power. I recognize my weakness. I come with trembling and fear to this mic day by day. I know I cannot change what's happening in Washington, D.C. or in the churches of this great city. But Jesus can. And I stand on his promises that revival is coming. Yea, revival is here. So what are you going to do? You can be stuck in what you think. You can be stuck in what you believe. But because you think it or because you believe it does not make it so. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am not the truth. I am not the way. I am not the life. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Will you walk in that way? Again, our phone number, we have time for maybe one quick call. 877-535-1080. You'd like to call and share where you're at in this journey. I would welcome your call. Or if you would like to be prayed for, I would be happy to pray for you. How do you stand today in this battle? Now, in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, he gives very specific things that these people have done that is blocking their hearts from turning the battle over to Jesus. First and foremost is found in verse 7. 
Paul says, do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. revelry. People all over the world have been celebrating the coming of spring. Idolaters. Idolatry means I'm putting someone or something ahead of my relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of you are idolaters with your work or with your families. Some of you are idolaters with your hobbies. Some of you worship the things of darkness, the entertainment of darkness. He's saying, don't be idolaters. And he's secondly saying, don't commit sexual immorality. Sexual immorality and idolatry go hand in hand. Where someone reaches out to take something that does not belong to them, that is idolatry. It is also the foundation base of sexual impurity. Hi, John. Welcome. What would you like to share? Uh, yes, Pastor. I've, uh, I've been a pro-life person, and I, I feel like a modern-day Job. I stood for right to life, and, and uh, I had a lot of complications from a bad divorce. I went through slander. I had, had an employer. I'm an insurance agent. had an uh, employer do slander against me. I couldn't even get back into the Defense Intelligence Agency I used to work for. And I, I appreciate it. If you could pray for me, I, I feel you give good sermons. You really speak from the heart about Jesus. And I used to belong to a charismatic prayer group. And I, I think maybe I'm a Roman Catholic now, but, but I, I think I might eventually have to start coming to your place. You sound like you say the true word of God. I appreciate you. I wrote you a little note. I thought maybe you thought I was trying to sell you some life insurance. That wasn't the purpose. <laughs> I sent a business card and a check to, I don't know if you've ever got I, it. I did. Thank you very much, John. Yes. I mean, yes, yes, Pastor. <laughs> John, let me pray for you. Okay, thank you. Lord, you said that Joshua was to go out and fight this battle. I stand by faith for John today that, Jesus, you will go out ahead of him and fight this battle that he is facing. Lord, he's done all he can do, and he can't change what's happening. But, Lord, he can lift up his hands with the staff of authority in your precious promises and not give way to discouragement or the devil's oppression. Lord, I'm asking in your mighty name, would you reach out now and begin anew this battle on John's behalf to drive back the enemy of men's souls? Lord, he controls the world, the wicked, but you control the righteous. So, Lord, I'm asking for the fullness of your Holy Spirit to once more come upon John I'm asking for the anointing of power to come upon him in the fullness of your Holy Spirit. And I'm asking, Lord, that you would order his steps and give him the specific promises he needs to hold up as that staff of authority. 
And I pray that you would surround him with men and women who would help him lift up his arms so that he will not grow weary in this bitter struggle against the powers of darkness. Lord, I ask for your anointing upon my brother today. Quicken him now by the Holy Spirit. Lord, forgive him for any spirit of discouragement that's come upon him. He casts it off now in the name of Jesus. Lord, any defeat that he is facing, any block, Lord, when you open the door, no man can shut it. And when you shut the door, no man can open it. So, Lord, I just come now that the doors will begin to open before John in the way he's been crying out to you for your glory and for your purpose. Lord, thank you. I pray your great mercy today now over John to accomplish what you purpose to accomplish in and through his life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, Pastor. God bless you. You're welcome, John. I'm going to come to see you sometime and be with your prayer group. You're always welcome. Thank you. God bless you. All right. Bye. Bye. We just have a minute and a half left. Go to our new webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find video casts, you'll find podcasts, and you'll also find directions for how to find the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you. Open my lips, O Lord. I will sing your praise forever. A broken spirit and a contrite heart these you will not despise. Open my lips, I will sing your praise forever. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.